and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode 350. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you. Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. It is uh, episode 350. It means it's a roundtable episode, and uh, we'll see how many times we can buzz Andre tonight. So that's uh, always the goal. And speaking of Andre, speaking of the other co-captains, we go out to uh, the City of Angels, La La Land, Los Angeles, California. Mr. Andre Dominguez, how you doing tonight? Oh, uh, you know, Mike, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. It's a... Uh... It's a chilly 12 degrees Celsius. I don't know what the fuck that is in Fahrenheit, um, but I've got a hoodie on. You know, my boots are still on. I'm gonna hang in there. I think I can make it through the end of this recording. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, I'm wearing two coats. I have two heaters blowing on me, and uh, we have an ice storm coming in this week. So, you can just, uh, uh, you can just suck it, Andre. That's uh, that's where I'm at with that. So. <laughs> And uh, at least I've got some people on the show tonight that can sympathize with my with my uh, with my dilemma. But we'll we'll get to those in a second. Because first we have to get to our other uh, co-captain. It's Jessica Jones, all the way out in the uh, I guess the greater Richmond Richmond Virginia uh, area. How you doing tonight, Jess? I am excellent, thank you. Uh, doing pretty well. Same weather as you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> had some snow the other night, but expecting some more. I don't I don't dislike it as much as you though. So. I'm okay with it. That's because you're not as old as I am, and doesn't affect bones the way it affects mine. Yeah, that's thing. true. I'm not creaky yet. <laughs> nice. I'm already taking abuse. I don't like it. Uh, we're gonna just cut this <laughs> podcast short. Uh, everybody, stay positive. And uh... <laughs> that was great. Had fun. <laughs> Bye. Well, so let's get to some people that can uh, also sympathize with the with with uh, the colder weather of this of this time of year. Uh, we got a uh, for our roundtable panel here. We, we brought in a couple of uh, uh, people from Canada, some Canukians, and uh, so let's uh, let's get to these uh, to these guys from the from the great the great north. Uh, let's start with uh, Mr. Brian Caparici in uh, the Niagara Falls area. How you doing tonight, Brian? Hey, yeah. So this morning. I dropped my kids off on the bus and it felt like minus 22 Celsius, but it sounds more dramatic when you go from the Fahrenheit to the Celsius conversion. So it is, it is so cold and yet I'm wearing shorts right now. So I, that doesn't explain, but you know, it is cold. <laughs> well, you guys probably wear shorts anytime. It's just like, just like just slightly above freezing though. I'm yeah. Guessing. If it's not a blizzard, I'm wearing shorts. I'm like, Oh, this is beautiful outside. <laughs> yeah. Your flippy floppies on. That's it. Yep. Flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, do you put like little, uh, little like uh, chains on the in, on the bottom of your uh, flip flops to help you kind of get through the through the snow? For sure. Yeah, hundred percent snow, <laughs> snow chains. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Never mind the top of your feet. <laughs> right. Uh, well, everybody knows like Canadians have really hairy uh, tops of their feet, right? I mean, that's that... <laughs> plus I'm Italian, so I mean, you know, I've got that going against me as well. So I got I got two strikes off me. <laughs> Nice. All right, so now we're going to move out to uh, to Toronto, uh, Canada, Canukia, and we're going to have Mrs. Angela Solis on tonight with us. How are you doing tonight, Angela? Hello, thanks for having me back. And as like what Brian said, it was like minus 22C this morning. And um, I'm still working at home, so but I have like pajamas on, socks and everything because it was freezing. <laughs> so I'm on the I don't like cold side tonight. Good, good. I got some people on my side, and uh, we can all just give Andre Dominguez the finger, and uh, so we can just uh, there you go. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, you'll see that in the video that will appear uh, when Andre uh, posts it in about no, a year. Video and that half. will get edited, right? No, you <laughs> won't. <That> will. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. 
before we get to the big roundtable discussion, you know, where we discuss all the, the hot topics, the people that are just the, the topics are just burning everybody up uh, in the film community. Let's uh, so we kind of like to start off with this first segment, just kind of find out what we've been up to, a little catch up. And uh, we always start with Mr. Andre Dominguez. So why would we change that? Andre, what have you been up to, brother? Well, uh, it's been a gassy few weeks. Uh, I, I put up a small little face cast with uh, part one of all the stuff that I, I bought. So I don't really kind of <clears throat> want to go over all of those things. But uh, I did get to starting to kind of recalibrate the uh, Camera Dactyl OG, <clears throat> little 4x5 uh, 3D printed point and shoot with the new uh, Leica laser that I bought, which Ooh. may have been one of like the not the smartest purchases I've made in the world, um, but definitely a lot of fun. I've been enjoying dad holstering it and just kind of like, you know, with uh, <laughs> measuring the distances between things. And I'm actually going to be using it to, you know, recalibrate like the infinity stops on my uh, on my four by five press cameras and things like that. Um, so that was pretty fun. I did actually expose some film this weekend, did a couple of little large format portraits of Anna while she was doing some like knitting and cross stitching. <coughs> Sorry, no, just cross stitching on this little picnic blanket that I have in the backyard. And then uh, her and I went to grab you know breakfast the next day <coughs> at this little uh, French cafe bakery thing. Brought it to a different little park uh, to sit down with the picnic blanket. And I took a bunch of pictures with uh, the Roland R2 close-up lens for the TLR and the, and the prison finder. And she uh, busted out her Instax wide, which I didn't know that she had. Um, I've only recently found out that she had that. She even had the little like close-up, uh, you know, a- a- adapter thingy. Um, and so <laughs> I, had to, like, I explained to her like what the little stick with the circle on it was for for parallax, and we took a little selfie with the little selfie mirror, and they turned out really great. And I'm really happy with the results, and can't wait to see what the the four by five stuff looks like. But as Mike mentioned, trying to keep the 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 weekly, uh, well, bi-weekly <coughs> recap pretty short so that this doesn't take four hours <laughs> nice nice well do you have the uh, do you have the instax on your refrigerator as you should i mean that's where instax photos go right my refrigerator is not magnetic i found out mm, well huh <laughs> <So> <laughs> you got there's tape there's tape right <laughs> it's gonna be on my desk now at work <laughs> nice all right uh jess what have you been up to lately I have been enjoying some of the snow. I had a couple snow days from work. I usually work weekends and I had a couple Sundays off. So I was able to do some shooting multiple days in a row. Um, I live kind of out in this rural area. So I was having a lot of fun just kind of walking around the property and taking different cameras and shooting in the snow. And who knows what those are going to turn out like, but um, just been kind of doing that. I, I did an updated self-portrait for 2021. You do one a year, and then you're done, and you're good. Um, and spending some time on a special new app that we'll talk about later on. Oh, very nice, very nice. A little that's what that's what they call a uh, a little uh, what is that a teaser in the in the industry, right? So oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> or a cliffhanger. Stay tuned. Nice. <laughs> All right. Dun, dun, dun. You have to go dun 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 for it to be a cliffhanger. Oh, that's true. That's true. Maybe I should find a sound effect. It for needs that to be well. suspenseful. It could be like I've been on this app, and it's changed 
everything. <laughs> and I almost died. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I might have done something bad on the app at one point, which oh, you guys, are, a couple of that's you have good. already read it. So that's good. Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm intrigued to say the least. So, uh, Brian Caprici, what are you? What have you been up to lately? It's been a bit. A bit. It's, it's been. Gosh, how long has it been since you've been on the show? It's oh, been gosh. at least a year, right? Probably. Yeah, at least a year. Yeah. Well, so well, I mean, you did, you know, you November the, uh, 2019. Let's start back then, and we'll work. Up. No, I'm kidding. Um, this this <laughs> past year, I've you, been. What's you did that? A, you did an interview with uh, Andre and and. Oh and, yeah, that's true. So that was, that was somewhat recent. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Chris Andre and I we kind of nerded out there about the large format stuff. That's right. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> I um I have I mean it's winter here. We're in a stay at home order right now in Ontario, so we can't like really do anything or go out. Plus, it's been so stinking cold. So trying to get outside with the kids has just been really hard. Um, but I did. I actually developed. Oh gosh, I don't know seven rolls of. Uh, of HP five, uh, on the weekend. So I got those, um, and other, otherwise like my winter project has been, um, hilarious, but it's been bringing Rolly 35s back to life. And so I've been like, just having a freaking blast with that. So I've been buying up all the Rolly 35s I can find on eBay. The ones that are like, you know, busted for parts as is whatever. So, I mean, you'd think that you'd get them cheaper, but you still pay like $200, $250 for them, oh, wow. which is insane like, considering they don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I've, I've basically like studied how to repair them. And, and now I've, I think I've gone through six or seven of them that I've like fixed. And I tear them right down to the shutters on the inside, get the lens board out, the gears, everything on the inside and fully CLA them. I've had to, I have a couple that I use as parts cameras. So if I need a new gear, I swap it out and that kind of thing but that's it it's been fun it's just like it's a fun way to keep my mind like engaged without because i i i'm super super swamped at work too we're, we're growing over there so um it's a good way to keep my mind engaged while also shutting off work so that's like that's mostly been it for me well it sounds like we found uh, the premier uh roly 35 uh repairman in in the in north america now so uh, yeah, everybody just send your roly 35s uh roly <laughs> To uh, Mr. Brian Caparici, and uh, he can. Uh, he can uh... This is the more humble version of the Roly. I mean, they're they're. You know what though? Honestly, Mike, they're like they're fun little cameras to shoot. Like I, I had one uh, maybe two years ago, and I just couldn't get the hang of it. To be fair, I only put a couple rolls through it, and uh, and since I got another one, and like okay, I'm gonna give this an actual shot, and I think it just took a little while to get used to because it's a little bit it's a little quirky. It like rewinds differently, and loading it's kind of funny. But once you get the hang of it, it's like, man, they are like, they're machines. They're beautiful little cameras. Like, they're pocketable, zone focus, sharp little lenses on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get one with a working light meter, or if not, like, I've now fixed light meters, so it's pretty straightforward. Like, they're they're awesome little cameras. I've almost bought one of those several times, and uh, and uh, just I always talk myself out of it at the very last. Are you finding uh, that it's kind of the same thing that goes wrong with them? Is it a kind of a like a, a kind of a certain issue it seems to be the common thing? I mean, or you it's, different it's funny because I'm buying them when they're broken. Like I'm looking for broken ones to buy, mm-hmm. so it's like m- my gut is like, oh man, all these like all the rollies like they're all broken. But it's like, well, yeah, Brian, you're buying broken ones on purpose, so it's a, <laughs> it's a little different. But I mean, honestly, it's. Um, it's easy to see because they're completely mechanical and it's all gears and it's so small on the inside. It's easy to see that like, you know, over the years, if they haven't been used, it just gets gummed up. 
I've seen a lot that you can tell someone just tries to like uh, flat, um, flood clean it. So they just like spray, you know, oil or something in it. And then it just gets all gummed up in the gears. So mm. it's easy to see how they can go bad just because they are mechanical and they're so small. Um, but once you know how they work, they're actually really easy to, to take apart and fix. So interesting. All, All right. right. If, if you do ever want to, you know, shoot some wide open portraits with them, uh, you can use one of these, uh, fancy schmancy laser range finders. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Probably spend as much on the light and the, on the laser than I did on like the camera itself. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I have used my 15 to $20 home Depot one for what? Six years now before I upgraded to a Leica. So <laughs> I think I put my time in with it before I was sure. like, you know, it's time to to take this up a notch, uh, find something that I can use in like the brightest sunlight. For sure, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like shootings. I I've like traditionally never been a zone focused shooter. Like I like the precision of knowing what's in focus. I typically like to shoot wide open just because I like the effect. I mean, I've been a professional for 15 years, and so it's just like kind of what we do. Not that like we we lean on it, but it's what we do. And um, man, like shooting zone focus at like f8, f11 with this with these little rollies, like it's they're a ton of fun to shoot that way. You got to make sure you have to think a little bit more about what you're putting in the camera. Like if I'm going outside with the kids, normally it's like, oh yeah, you know, put like a 200 ISO 200 roll of film in. Whereas I'm like, no, I'm actually going to push this roll of HP5 to 1600, even though it's like relatively bright outside, because I know that I want to be shooting, you know, at 1500th to stop action, and I want to be shooting at f11 or f16 in order to get everything in focus but once you figure that out and learn how to zone focus it it's not bad and it's a lot of fun very nice all right uh is that pretty much it brian that's it yep all right well let's move on to angela angela what have you been up to lately well just like what brian said like since we're at uh like a, another stay-at-home order like the time is kind of like you know, muddled together. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but before the lockdown, I was able to buy um, a box of 100 sheets of um, 5 by 7 um, printing paper so I can print during the winter. So I have a, uh, we have a, a long weekend coming up. Um, so I decided to just take the whole week off at work. So I'll be able to like print um, possibly um, in the evening. So it's kind of have a nice break. Um, I, um, since my last guesting, we actually, I actually ended up getting a few cameras. <laughs> uh, nice. it, wasn't, it wasn't planned. Um, but um, because I've been shooting a lot of in stacks lately, although the volume is obviously not the same as what I would normally shoot because there really is nowhere else to go. Um, but I ended up getting my friend's um, Mint Instant Con RF70 last year. So I'm kind of playing nice. around with that That's one. awesome. It's such a nice camera to shoot. Um, it's kind of... It's kind of unfortunate because like, if you scan the photos, like, you can't really see how beautiful the image is because I can see the difference between like an Instax-wide photo versus the mint because you can see how sharp the image was. So I'm playing around with that one. Um, I also ended up getting uh, the uh, Polaroid one last year as well. So I saw like Instax and uh, another um, pinhole camera that I am planning to try and shoot this February or March um, because on Twitter they're having um, the community there is having the BIF scale 21 so basically you have to shoot a red scale film and then you just have to share it with people there so I'm, I have a few 120 
um, red scale film that I haven't shot yet. So I'm planning to use that with the pinhole. Um, and sorry, it's all like buying stuff, right? <laughs> I think that's all I can do at the moment. Um, <laughs> someone on uh, Instagram, I think his username is my instant images, um, said that BNH had a sale of like expired um, Instax film. So I went ahead and grabbed a few of those. So um, obviously, if you're in the video, you're going to see this, but um, they have like party packs of the instant square mm. um i did get the um the black border and then there i have another box of like it comes in the six boxes in like the big party ba uh, party box so oh, wow. um they're not in, like they just recently expired like maybe around july so i think it should still be pretty good um so hopefully i'll be able to like take more pictures and experiment for a bit um I think Did you say than... the, the black border, Angela, sorry? Yeah, there is a black border. Oh, nice, um, eh? The box, um, it was originally 15 bucks US. Um, I got it for $6. Oh, wow. US. Nice. It's insane. Some of the Insects Mini were for like 3 to $4. And the party pack, I think I got for 30 35 US. So it's actually a good deal. <laughs> so I'm like, I and then the shipping to That's Canada awesome. was probably like seven hundred and fifty dollars. No, right? it's not. It's not <laughs> it's like it's like actually like nine U um nine US that I had to pay for. It was FedEx and it was shipped That's in like bad. a couple of days. So and I had I just had to pay I think the the duties up front. So it wasn't too bad. So um so when. I, I think I'm waiting for a couple more films because I ended up buying somewhere else prior to seeing the sale. Um, but I should be fully loaded with like instant film in the next few weeks, next few months, hopefully. So that's yeah, what that's I like it. to hear. Instacks, cool. yay! <laughs> uh, so you, you have the 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 mint uh, the, the the like it's like the 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 Leica. Uh, I would say it's the Leica of Instax, except Leica actually came out with an Instax camera. You remember that like Leica Instax? They were overcharging for you. Remember, remember what was that that thing? Yeah. So oh, I think that was the Sofort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think this one came from like a uh, like a, a boutique um, company, like a manufacturer. So it's. So I think they came up with the design themselves. So this is like rangefinder type. Yeah. Um, but what I like about it is like it's fully manual. So like all the controls that I don't have when I'm shooting the wide or even the other Instax or a Fuji um, issued instant camera, like I get it from here. Plus it has like, like a glass lens. So like mm -hmm. you can see the actual difference when... Um, when you're shooting and since I had to like um, meter it myself, um, I actually paired this up with uh, Matt's um, Reveni Labs um, meter. The only unfortunate part is that it doesn't have um, a cold shoe that I can slot the meter in so i had to i have like um, a lanyard where i tie in the the light meter and when i shot a couple of weeks ago to run the the buying paper stuff errands um i was able to shoot some photos of downtown and 
So yeah, it was kind of unfortunate, but I think it would would have been very very nice if there's a a cold shoe attached to it. So mm. I actually got to play with that camera. I actually got to play with that camera at the uh, FBP walking workshop uh, that someone had it there, and I think it was right as they were getting ready to come out. I don't know if it's like a pre production model or if it was or if they just come out, and it did feel quite nice. It was really uh, kind of made me think that that if I wanted to like get serious about Instax, it would be. I mean, a pricey but really cool way to go with it because, you know, yeah, just having that control. And actually, I, I, I didn't get to shoot the camera, but I did get to do a really sexy pose leaning against a post for some, uh, to mm. pose for somebody. So, yeah, somewhere there's a... <laughs> I, I actually lucked out because... Um, in the nude? I have, yeah. <laughs> it was quite hot there, but I wasn't in the, quite in the nude. But, <laughs> but yeah, I did luck out with, with this camera because um, obviously, like, buying it brand new is, is you know, it's kind of hefty the price tag um, but I have a really good friend that we went you know we were friends way back in university and he's now in Europe um, practicing dentistry there and he said like I have the mint do you want to buy it from me it was like a very like casual That's transaction awesome. I guess and every time he cleans up his inventory like I'm like the first person that he contacts because he knows that I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to shoot um, all the cameras he's trying to sell to me. So I have a couple of the cameras that I got from him. And this is like the most recent one. So Very great. Cool. One, one could almost say that the Mint RF70 is the dentist camera of Instax Wides. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, Perhaps. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll I've, let him know about that. <laughs> I've also gotten a chance to play around with it a little bit. Because uh, uh, Mike Ugavica, who comes down here to Southern california every every few months and it's been really great you know hanging out with him uh when he does come down he's got one and we he wasted like i think it might have been something like nine or ten uh it might have been just been a whole pack of film trying to to shoot this like neon sign out in the desert at night when we were together and then at the end he was just like ah screw it (laughs) doing this like multiple exposures because you can just click the the shutter as many times as you want mm-hmm. and then choose when to eject it so that's that's been pretty fun but i for a long time especially like with with that i mean that's a bad example but i was kind of like yeah i'm kind of over in stacks but uh getting a chance to play around with the and hers is the older one anna's Instax wide is like the 210 so it's not even like the modern like silver and black one um it was a lot of fun and the pictures came out really good so i don't know they Insect. have that program Mint too, right? Mint cool. has that free one. Is that what you're talking? We're gonna say Jess, the free, the free ink, or not the free ink? I'm thinking yeah. about yeah, you guys with your instant film, ink, but yeah. the, yeah, uh, the, free the free film, film program, stuff. right? Yeah. I mean, like if you if you can get the double taps on your photos, I mean, you basically can get free yeah, film. Yeah, if you share it, on. you get free film. Yeah. They did yeah. a uh, they did a, a workshop. Mint did at the Polaroid convention, so we all got to play with them. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I always forget to do that because I think their serial number for the camera is inside where you put the film pack. And I always, yeah. always forget. I had to like message Bill through and said, where can I find the serial number? <laughs> I need to get like, I need to sign up for the free film. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, Bill don't too? worry. Yeah. I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. Like I forgot about it last time too. It's just an inside, like, you know, like where you put in the film. So just finish the film, I guess. And then shoot it. They find a number and sign up for the free film. So See, looking what forward enjoying, to that one as well. What I'm enjoying right now is that for like a couple weekends now, Anna's kind of busted out the, the Instax wide. 
By the way, Anna Anna is uh, Andre's uh, a lady friend. Uh, we should we should mention that, right? So <laughs> Anna's been able to you know bust out the 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 Instax wide, and it's great. And she even took it with her when we when we went to the picnic. But like my bag is already full of cameras, and those things are not small. So it's great because we can have an instant option, but I don't have to carry it. I don't have to own the camera. It's wonderful. Come on, Andre. You gotta, you gotta man up and be a gentleman, man. Like you know, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> carry the carry the gear. You know. See, or if you didn't, if you didn't get rid of your SX70, you could have just put it in your format, pocket. Thirty-five, the large format. She can handle the Instax. <laughs> man, my Instax wide didn't even last a year. So sad. Those cameras are. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like the. I don't know me. Like, I get zero joy out of shooting the Instax cameras. I've got the SX70 that I enjoy shooting with but mm-hmm. the instax they're neat for like snaps the kids and the kids think it's hilarious and like they like the lomos it, are worse the instax is they? okay mm. the mints are awesome yeah i would go mm-hmm. uh, for sure if i wanted to take it seriously i would definitely go mint i think awesome well uh i have press camera and the one instant at like twenty dollars a sheet <laughs> yeah i'm just waiting for Honestly. the I think that I may end up starting to do that because, like, if I want to take, like, a really serious, uh, like, portrait of somebody and and have that be on, like, an instant and also, you know, scannable, printable uh, negative, I might as well jump for the the one instant and not buy tons of it, but, like, like once every couple months buy, like, a sheet. (laughs) Yes. In your budget. I've got enough money now to buy one sheet. I'm ready to go. It's been two months now, so... uh... <laughs> I like it. Uh, all right. As far as uh, my week, uh, this should be this should be really short because I did uh, jack squat, and uh, that should that should surprise no one. Um, I, and I was thinking about this. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm again. I'm going through one of those phases. I'm not gonna beat myself up about it because the weather here has been awful. It's been not only has it just been cold, which keeps me from wanting to go outside, but it's it's just been gray and dull and like I just other than maybe some. I guess I could do some black and white maybe, but like it's just just not motivating. So I I realized as someone that has many uh, hobbies or passions. This is a really a better time. Like these, these months here, January, February are kind of better times for me to just kind of hole up in this garage and like write music and do music stuff. And uh, so I've been kind of concentrating on that. So photography is just probably going to, it's probably going to wait for it to get warm and for me to get motivated to get out again, because uh, you know, this is a better time for me to concentrate on my other passion. And then when things get better outside, then I'll be able to swing over to the photography side of things. So I just been basically, Hey, I built uh, I did this. I built, uh, in the last two nights, I built two guitar pedals. Yeah, with my own hands, I built some uh, an overdrive pedal and a fuzz pedal, and uh, so and they both work, so I'm very happy about that. So I did something, something you know, right? with my hands, something. Yeah, yeah, I'm, some I'm repairing rollies, and Mike's building pe- little pedals. And, That's like, right. See, keep, you know, keep your brain I'm engaged. Sure I, I took the thing apart and put on a diffusion head. Managed to break two dichroic filters while doing it. It's all good. <laughs> I feel like you know this is the time of year where you kind of do things where you're kind of more holed up in in, in indoors and like I guess you know maybe if I wanted to like push myself to do some photography, I could I could maybe set up some still lifes. But I've been all, have you ever tried to do those? I'm, I'm horrible at like doing still life photography. I just it's like beyond my scope of uh, like I would just I would spend like. First of all, it would take me forever to figure out what camera to shoot. Then it would take me like three hours just rearranging things on a table over and over and over. I just think it sounds, it sounds maddening, actually. <laughs> I love how they look. I've never had the patience to do yeah. them properly yeah. myself. But I think like the fine art photographers that do them, they do them so well. I remember watching a, 
a masterclass with Joel Merowitz, and he had a whole section on still lifes and like the work that he was making. I was like, damn, I want to get some pottery and like fucking shoot it. Like it's so gorgeous, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. I don't have, I just, I don't have the discipline to do it. But I love mm-hmm. looking at it. I think I, I respect those that do. Sure. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, sometimes they can be very mundane subjects, but it's just the, the way they light them. It's a, it's a, I guess it would be a really good way to learn lighting because you got to, the lighting, you got to nail it to, for it to, you know, to really uh, uh, make it into something that's uh, even re- remotely, I guess, uh, interesting, I guess. Yeah. Like Bill, Bill Smith just did a, a couple with his large format camera shooting like paper negatives. And he had like his guitar that was like leaned up against like a, a potted plan and lit really interesting and i'm like man that's super cool but yeah i don't i don't it's not a kind of photography that i enjoy mm-hmm. I've done some of it in the past and if me. anyone is a big fan of still life i do recommend um the work of photographer um jamie beck um she is an american but she's now based in france with her husband who's also a photographer and their daughter um the way she like her work is i think the one word that i could use is just magical it's just really good and she shoots both on digital and also on four by five i think i think she also does eight by ten but i don't know how often she does it um but she does use both formats and the results there is amazing so you find her on instagram yeah, or her, just find her, her portfolio i'm looking at it right it's now beautiful it's beautiful Even her she's portraits the, are beautiful yeah mm. like wow. so you, if you like her portraits is almost like painter, like you know, like painting type, um, Renaissance type of photos. With, um, I guess it's a combination of like, there's a bit of retouching there for sure, um, because she is a um, a professional photographer. But the way she like sets the mood up, like everything, like the stuff that she needs to take, um, to take photos of, the clothes that she needs to wear for herself or for her daughter is just great. So if you guys are into those things, like you need to check her out. What was her What was her name again? Um, Jamie Beck. Jamie Beck. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think that's uh, pretty much what's, what we've had going on here recently. And uh, we need to hurry up in this episode, uh, this, not this episode, this segment, so we can leave some time to really discuss the, I mean, the topics that are just burning people up in this, uh, in this film community. I mean, just, I mean, all the, all the controversy that we're going to solve. I, I feel like after this episode, everyone's going to feel like they be at peace with the, the dilemmas we face in this film community. So, uh, so let's uh, let's take us a break and we'll uh, start the, the roundtable discussion in the next segment. So uh, we'll be right back, folks. Episode 350, Roundtable Discussion. We're talking about the hot topics in the film photography community, at least topics that we thought of anyway. So uh, uh, let's uh, go ahead and meet the panelists of the Negative Positives, Episode 350, Roundtable Discussion. I'm Mike Gutterman. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm drinking Miller Lite. I'm Andre Dominguez in Los Angeles, California, and I'm drinking a chai tea latte. 
am Jess Jones in Richmond, Virginia, and I am drinking an O'Connor Brewing Los Tres Reinos, which means the three reindeers. It's a nice sour. Nice. I'm Brian Capricci in Fawn Hill, Ontario, Canada, and I'm drinking a Guinness Stout. And I'm Angela Solis from Toronto, Ontario, and I'm drinking a nice cup of yuzu tea, which is an Asian citrus tea. All right, there it is. The the, the panelists, uh, the experts for this roundtable discussion. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and dive in now. Now, folks, this is the way it works. We set a timer, a Grey Lab timer for each of these topics. We're going to give about uh, probably about five to six minutes on each of these topics. And uh, whoever, uh, when we run out of time, you will hear the scary Grey Lab buzzer. And that means that topic <laughs> is over with. And generally, we try to make sure Andre gets buzzed. But this first uh, topic is going to be uh, Mr. Andre Dominguez. It's going to be hard to buzz. We'll, we'll figure out a way. We'll try to get him buzzed on this to- on his own topic somehow. But uh, uh, so we're going to start out with Mr. Andre Dominguez. Andre, what is the hot topic you have uh, for this roundtable? All righty. So uh, to give a little bit of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna ask me like a follow-up question afterwards, like after. You- <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, uh, to to give some context to this, so uh, naturally, I as I've been falling deeper down the rabbit hole with large format and darkroom printing, uh, getting some knowledge from from other. Uh, people in that space who have knowledge as well as starting to kind of go back and and read some textbooks has actually been really really informative and it's got me thinking about the 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 question of how important is technical knowledge to film photography both general as well as your own uh, film photography work because I feel like not enough emphasis is paid these days on teaching people how to uh, like things like meter um, why you do certain things, why you make certain decisions. Uh, and like few people take photography classes these days, especially ones that are geared towards film photography. And it, it makes me worried sometimes that people aren't able to uh, get repeatable results. Like even folks who like really kind of creative abstract stuff, it almost kind of makes me sad sometimes when, when people are just like, oh, I don't know how I got that. It was just a happy accident, and I'm never going to know how to repeat that because for folks who have that more kind of creative, abstract work, my my opinion is that having a strong technical understanding of why you're doing certain things will allow you to better execute that unique creative passion, uh, that unique creative vision over and over and over again rather than just being like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm just gonna do whatever, and it turned out great. But ha- like, you know, half the time it turns out terribly. And and for young people, that can even give them a, a false sense of what film photos look like, of what film photography can be. And it might turn them away because in a lot of cases, like they're paying a decent bit of money uh, to to not get repeatable results because the education portion isn't there, the technical knowledge isn't there. What do you guys think about all that? <laughs> Well, uh, I'm gonna put five minutes on the timer. So uh, uh, I, I will say this: I, I don't. That's that's a, that's a lot to take in there, Andre. But uh, you know, as somebody that 
that takes uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, I take my, my shots, my technical shots, but things like, you know, Pentax 67 or, you know, you know, manual cameras and all that. But man, to do, I really enjoy my Hoga and, and you know, there, there's no control there. And I, I wouldn't have to be technically minded to take uh, the shots that I take on, on that camera. Uh, but one thing that it kind of makes me think of, and I've thought about this, and I've always been kind of afraid to mention this on the podcast, uh, but, you know, the, the craze of like these, uh, uh, point and shoot cameras that kind of do everything for you, like some of the ones that are really crazy expensive. I mean, you know, everybody knows there's a, a crazy curtain uh, those cameras, and they're they're really hot, and you know, people love them, and they pay way too much for them. I sometimes wonder is that a little bit of laziness in learning the technical aspects of film photography? You know, like because the camera does everything for you, it gives you a great look, and uh, but those cameras, you're not having to learn anything about uh, the technical aspect of, of film photography. So I, I sometimes I wonder. I'm not saying I'm not like trying to say those people aren't talented or or that they're not uh, interested. Uh, all they want to do is make it as easy as possible, which is, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the case. But I wonder if, the, if sometimes this point and shoot craze is a little bit people, uh, being a little intimidated by the technical side of, of film photography, but, yeah. uh, that's my thought. Well, it I depends think... on what you're, sorry. Um, it depends on why you're doing photography in the first place. Right. Um, if you're going to be doing it for work or for like, you know, as a form of art that I guess, if the end goal is like you want to sell your work, um, then most likely I think there should be emphasis on the technical side of it because you want to have a mastery of the skills in order for you to have a certain style, in order for you to reach what kind of look that will define your work as a photographer. But if you are just going to be you know, taking snapshots of your friends or family or anything like that, um, or you know, just for fun, um, um, I think there there shouldn't like at least like just knowing how to use the camera should be a good way to start. But I don't necessarily um, demand those individuals to like learn the exposure, learn learn how to use the meter, learn all these things. Um, because to some people that might you know. Um, scare them to try photography to begin with like for sure technical skills is very important um but at the end of the day it really depends on why you're taking photos so yeah yeah i, think, I agree I think a lot that's with like that. a good yeah. point go, sorry go ahead jess i i agree a lot with that i as someone who's not super technical and i've always been more on the experimentation side um i think it has a lot to do with the way people learn as well some people can retain that kind of stuff really well and some people cannot like i i have add or inattentive type but still it's sometimes trying to hold on to that information will just go right out the window when it comes time to try and apply it in the field and a lot of times it really is just kind of willy-nilly shooting that that gets me what i want and a lot of times it's the mistake that I make that produces something that I really enjoy. Something that some of my friends might be pissed off that happened to them, but I'm going to really love it. And sometimes I can repeat that mistake, you know. Um, I, I do agree with learning at least the technical abilities of a camera. I think that's important, especially because film's not cheap anymore. Or mm -hmm. I guess it never was, but prices are going up. And if you're shooting four by five, absolutely, you're you're not gonna want to willy nilly shoot that. If you're shooting 
insects film that you got on sale, then why not? Just kind of go crazy with it. So I think it's a little bit of both, and I think it's about how you learn as well. And I think that's important when you're talking to people that are new to it as well to kind of figure out how they learn, and that's going to make you a better teacher too, uh, kind of explaining in a way that that helps them learn the way that they would want to want to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, for me, so this is coming from the perspective of I'm a I'm a very technical shooter, yet at the same time, I've got a Contax T3 and an Olympus XA4, and I love the like simplicity of those cameras too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see this also in the professional space. Being a professional photographer for 15 years, I've seen many iterations of the mm-hmm. of the concept of like, hey, this this famous photographer or this rock star photographer uses this piece of equipment. Therefore, if I get that piece of equipment or that lens or that camera or that preset. I can get that same look and like, it's not, it's not that simple. It's not that way. And I think a lot of photographers use the equipment as a crutch to achieve a certain look or aesthetic that they're looking for. And and potentially even to an extent we're guilty of that as film photographers. But I think, um, if that's an entry point and then from there, especially in the film space, photographers can then learn the technical. I think that's a good place to be. I mean, Hey, if if the idea of analog is a gateway drug, and then and then when they're in there, they're like, heck yeah, let's let's I want to get a Leica, let's explore with the roll of flex, let's get in and shoot four by five and and do all that. I think that's cool. I think those that maybe come in and just live in the space of simple, easy, one click exposures, that's maybe different. But I think that <laughs> damn it, damn it, I knew it was coming, and I was about to pass it to Andre too, and I was like. Andre, what do you think of this idea? I got buzzed. Damn it. We had the uh, right idea. But the timing was a little off. Timing was off. I know. I know. In my head, I was keeping track. Okay, I know that we're probably somewhere around there. All right. Anyways, that's my thoughts. I had to cut him off just so I could go, and he got cut off twice by us. I see. I was trying to be a gentleman, Jess. I was trying to be like, no, Jess, it's okay. You go ahead and. And, and that was your crutch. Yeah. See. <laughs> Brian, do you need to you need to finish your point there? Because we, we always let people finish their no, point. No, yeah, I think that's that's mostly it. I think that like, you know, sometimes that the non-technical side can be a gateway to it. And I think it's fine as long as we have the maturity and the and the, you know, uh the the drive to want to push beyond that. I think if you live in that space, I mean, hey, and if you live in that space and you're happy with it and you're happy with your work, I suppose that's fine. But I think most of us, especially in the analog space, we pursue the technical excellence too. So I think mm. that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, uh, that's a, a, a great topic. Uh, Andre, I hope we, I, I hope we uh, just it, it took, put out the fire that was burning you up on that, on that topic. But uh, so. <laughs> I mean, it, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time and, you know, I appreciate all, all y'all's input. Uh, Jess, your, your, you know, point on people's different learning styles is something that I, I thought a little bit about, but, like to be quite honest not enough about <clears throat> because you know there's like help center articles that i'm writing and like scripts for videos and and hell like we're 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 trying not to ignore something like tiktok just because it can be a little cringy um but like i think lena besanova has done a great job of of breaking down like at things as complicated as black and white reversal and having it be not like a it's not supposed to be like a step-by-step tutorial but just being like here's the process you know here are the different steps and you can go more into detail if you want get more technical 
uh, if you want. And that's something that I'm trying not to lose sight of because I know that. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it just had to happen, right? I mean, it's just redeemed. I'm redeemed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but just because I, I know that I can get really, really technical and that, that that doesn't resonate with with everybody. So, you know, moving forward as I'm starting to at work be responsible for more and more of the educational content, I'm trying my best to keep that in mind because the, the, the type of content that I enjoy reading and, and learning personally, like I'm a textbook guy. You know, some people are TikTok people. I have to be proficient at both of those. I'd love to see you doing the TikTok videos. Like, I think you would. I don't start, yeah. dance, start dancing while like yeah. loading field. I want to see it. I want to see it. Let's take a group vote right now. Like, in fact, I, I think that our, the listeners would probably I... increase the, the, the coffee <laughs> donations if they knew that it was going towards Andre. I want to. I want to see a TikTok video of him like unholstering like the light meter and the and the like a, a rangefinder yeah. laser. Like yeah, just yeah. <laughs> there's there's this thing andre and laser range finder a combination made for precision technical photography (laughs) when precision counts there's this um there's this idea called the curse of knowledge um that probably you'd be familiar with it with the the concept of because when you are teaching something you're cursed with like an infinitely more amount of insight and knowledge and background and research into a topic and it's sometimes difficult when you're armed with that to then go back to the basics and explain the simple ideas. I mean, Lena does a fantastic job job with that. Uh, Matt Marash, it does a fantastic job with that, right? And mm-hmm. I think that is like a good example of like different learning styles or someone that has achieved technical excellence but can then teach it to those that aren't there yet because most people aren't there yet. Yeah. Lena, Lena and Matt are my like photography education goals because yeah. they they keep it fresh. They keep it interesting. Like, you know, if they are uh, afflicted by the, the curse of knowledge, oh, boy, do they get over it. Because Don't make me do it, Andre. Don't make me do it again. And and Andre, hang on, hang on, hang on. The only <laughs> thing that's in common with both of those, awesome with hair. both Lena and Matt, is awesome hair. There. So if that's all that you have to do, and then like you're you're basically them. I mean, and then and then like you're I fit for TikTok. You're good I to go. Can't, I can't dye it blue. That's already been taken. I can't, you know, I can't get the height that Matt can. So have you ever tried putting HC110 in your hair though? I mean, I'm just <laughs> which which one? The, the older the syrupy version. version. Yeah, yeah, you, got, yeah you got to go the older stuff. No, the yeah. new stuff would just like drool yeah. down. You'd be yeah. It's got a stronger hold. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of uh, uh, kind of my my answer to that my topic, uh, it kind of brings me to my my topic. So uh, lo-fi cameras, uh, uh, lack of technical ability, lack of technical skill needed. Uh, I've noticed. Um, uh, let me uh, get the timer going here. All right. Here we go. I've noticed that in like I think in the last two years, you know, at the end of the year, you have that Instagram thing, like your best nine or whatever. And uh, like on my photo account for like the last two years, my best nine or the one that got the most likes. And I know I, I don't really give a shit about likes. I know it's not about likes, but but you know, it is interesting to see which one's got the most uh, most traction or whatever. And like uh, both two years in a row, it's always been like pinho shots, um, uh, a ton of hoga shots. Like none of my like. So, you know, so-called technical photography really gets the love that 
like the Hoga or like a lot of the uh, uh, Kodak Brownie Hawkeye that I flipped the lens on. It has that weird dreamy look from doing that. Uh, it tends to get the most traction. And so I'm wondering, like, is it because... I'm better at using those cameras. Like I, I'm, I'm just really, I take good photographs of those cameras. I don't think that's it. I think it's probably the unique look that they have, but why do people resonate with those? Is it because it's a unique look or is it because, uh, you know, uh, it's maybe something I'm not used to seeing, or am I just that brilliant of a photographer? I'm, I'm going to go with the unique look, but, uh, but why do you find it that people are still attracted to like, uh, strange looks out of photography. I mean, is it the Instagram filters that people grew up with that they're used to that kind of thing or, or what it is? I just find it interesting that like, uh, you know, somebody that I, sometimes when they ask me like, what can if you had to go with one camera the rest of your life, I mean, obviously I'd pick a ton of cameras, but it'd be hard for me not to go without my Hoga because I love it. It's fun to shoot. And I, some of my best photos that even I like best are my Hoga shots. And obviously they have uh, resonated with people that have checked out my Instagram account as well. So just, just some thoughts on that. Like uh, you think, uh, what, what is it that's, that's resonating with people about lo-fi shots and do you, do you give them any any uh, any respect as far as <laughs> in the photo world i think the thing that you've got to, I'm, I'm taking this one because i'm not getting buzzed again so i'm gonna start <laughs> this um i think the thing i think the thing that um is interesting about that is um you consider you have to consider context and um how people are consuming this content and specifically when you're looking at something like an instagram you know that um they're scrolling through on a really small device and it stops the scroll for like, and you think about how we, how you consume Instagram, it mm. stops the scroll for maybe two seconds, max two seconds, and and maybe a double tap. I mean, obviously a double tap or a comment, and then you scroll past it. So Instagram, as a as a measuring stick for uh, popularity, is is in my opinion a really flawed way at, at measuring that kind of stuff. Mm. I bet if you did the exact same experiment and printed out all of the photographs that you had put on Instagram and put them into a gallery or just gave eight by 10 prints to folks. It's I bet funny you, you mentioned that. Yeah. Completely at, different results at art shows. I've had trouble selling Hoga shots. Even yeah. some that got, even some that got like uh, a lot of face uh, Instagram likes. Uh, yeah. uh, they haven't sold as well as art shows are just like the standard, sh- standard yeah. technical shots, I guess. Yeah. That's hundred okay, percent. it Because when you scroll through it quickly on Instagram, it needs to be something that is like, different or has an interesting look or or maybe mm-hmm. the subject matter is very engaging um but those kinds of things that maybe are technically different or interesting or unique or or f- are familiar if they're used to the instagram filters or snapchat filters i think those are just more um sort of like platform native like that's what people are used to seeing on instagram so it mm-hmm. just kind of naturally attracts that whereas like the technically perfect sharp nicely composed like these things that maybe would require more time spent with an image mm. may not do well and fare well on Instagram because it doesn't, the platform just doesn't lend itself to like actually spending time with an image. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I don't okay. even I think it's, it has, no, 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 not Andre. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it has a lot to do with okay. fantasy, you know, we're inundated with our reality day in, day out. And a lot of people turn to media for fantasy and things that are different from their everyday. So like Brian said, I think it's just something that stops them in their tracks because it's something, something different. You look at accounts like uh, tiny cactus where it's just Photoshop things, you know, beautiful images of stuff that's not real that catches your eye. Um, and not that your fo- obviously your photos are real. They're just, they're different and it's not 
what the eye normally sees. So I think people just really like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Angela? Well, maybe you've taken fun photos. I don't know. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> you have young, um, it kind of ties into my topic later, but there's a lot of younger people on Instagram. So if they find something that's very unique, um, I mean, not to discount, like, people that are posting fine art photos on Instagram, but um, obviously if they just want to see something that's a little bit creative, a little bit out there, I think Instagram is kind of like your platform, and there's a lot of, like, younger creatives in that place. So if they're into that kind of um, results, then that's probably why. I don't know. (laughs) Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I, actually, in most 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 of my photos are are just uh, uh, really uh, of goofy signs and stuff. So maybe uh, <laughs> maybe that maybe that could be considered fun. I don't know. But, I do get a lot right, of I'm, like likes with like um, anything that's um, either red scale or X Pro, and that's something that a lot of my other film friends just spice me for because right, I right. I cross brawl the slides, you know. Like there's no tomorrow, but I get a lot of, you know, like people that I don't know, like liking or commenting when I post like a lot of like archive photos of images I took. So that could be it as well. But mm-hmm. very cool. Uh, Andre. One thing that, <laughs> um, uh, but I think one thing that I notice when I'm scrolling through Instagram and my Instagram is, is a mix of like two things. It's, like the watch stuff and the and the photography stuff, and so all of the watch stuff pretty much is on on digital, and a lot of the more kind of uh, non-watch photography, there's some digital in there too. Not everybody that I shoot shoots exclusively film, but when I'm going through, like somebody mentioned, something has to look like really different or like format or medium specific for it to stand out on such a small medium as a. Uh, <coughs> as a phone screen because if I'm going through I could be going through dozens of images that are shot on 35 millimeter <laughs> 35 millimeter with a with a lens you know medium format large format digital it doesn't really matter on that smallest screen unless there's a dramatic difference in like the depth of field um, or like tilt shift stuff that's really only possible with 4x5 or that kind of very distinctive like pinhole look Unless it's something that so dramatically differs from like the standard results of like quote unquote hi-fi photography, whether that's on film or digital, it, it all looks the same. I can't look at something, you know, as small as a as a non-zoomed in picture on Instagram and tell what format it was shot on unless it's something like a Holga shot. Unless it's something like, <clears throat> you know, a crazy uh portrait shot on an on, on an arrow ektar unless it's a very distinctive looking pinhole shot so i think that plays a, a, a big part of it because <clears throat> when something looks like it couldn't be shot on your iphone people tend to pay atten- more attention to it mike and especially with your photography anything taken with your pentax 35 millimeter slrs is, is going to look like something that could be taken on a digital camera or be taken on a phone whereas sure. like the holga stuff or the brownie hawkeye with the flipped lens or the holga wide pinhole stuff when you look at that stuff you're like yeah no that's definitely something different <clears throat> and i think that attracts people well so it's good to hear that basically um uh number one 
I, the thing we need to take away from this is don't give a crap about your Instagram likes because uh, that really means nothing. And uh, number two is uh, it's not my uh, excellence at photography with these cameras. It's just that these cameras have a unique look. So it's it's nice to know that it's, it has nothing to do with my my uh, my uh, excellence in photography. So, all right, let's move on. I feel like we to... need to take a shot every time Andre gets buzzed. <laughs> I'm going to plan for that next time. I'll get buzzed with me. (laughs) Take a shot. (laughs) All right, Jess, uh, let's go into your topic. My topic is a hot topic since we have a new app on the scene right now. Uh, It's called Clubhouse. I'm sure a lot of the listeners might be in there. A lot of them might not be in there, especially since right now it is limited to iPhone users only. And it is invite only. They give you only a certain amount of invites every so often. I don't know how it dictates how often. Um, But I've been on there for a week and a half or so now, kind of popping in and out of rooms. Some of them are great. Some of them are okay. I think it kind of depends. But the beauty of it is that it's just audio, no video. So you can kind of, if you don't want to necessarily jump into the conversation you can listen while you're doing dishes or cooking dinner whatever you need to do um but just listen to people talk about film topics or you know other other hobbies as well they've got a lot of different options and i think it's just growing every day um Mm -hmm. but it is interesting i will go ahead and give the spoiler that Sometimes you are automatically muted when you're let into a room. And you should know that sometimes you're not automatically muted when you're let into a room. So don't say anything weird, especially if you get annoyed by one of the speakers and start talking out loud to yourself and realize that you are, in fact, not on mute. And so oh, then no. you have to swiftly it sounds like that comes from firsthand experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, sometimes you listen in, in your headphones and if people are screaming, then you're going to be like, what the hell is going on? And then you realize that you're talking out loud. So, um, (laughs) yeah, so there's that, but it's really cool. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of it so far. I know Andre's been in there talking about Cindy still a lot. Um, there was a Polaroid room last night that I wish I could have stayed, or at least an instant film room last night that I wish I could have stayed in longer. That was really cool, and there were a lot of people in there interested. Some people that had never even shot instant film before, but they just wanted to learn about it. So, And everyone's pretty welcoming, and and it, it's pretty cool. And I just wanted to know if any of you guys had any experience with it yet. Yes. Uh, let me go ahead and set the timer. Uh, Andre got me into it. I, I honestly uh, avoided it because I thought the last thing I need is another social media thing. But it's not really a social media thing. It's more of a thing you can kind of just check, see if there's a room you're interested in, uh, jump in there, and just talk uh, really any time of day. I'm, I've been surprised at how many people are on at various times of day talking about film photography. So something about it, this film community has definitely embraced it because it's, it's, I've been surprised how often there's been a film photography related room you could jump into but uh i think uh for me uh, andre and i we've we've had like two negative positives rooms uh late night negative positives podcast chats and you know we get five six people in there and matter of fact the last one we did uh, andre fell asleep on us uh so it was just <laughs> like it's just like a podcast episode really so uh except you get to participate so that that's kind of uh that's kind of like four in the morning in my defense <laughs> 
and I, remember, I woke I woke up that morning. I woke up that morning at five forty five, and I saw that like there was a negative positives group, and Andre was the only one in it. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's why I hopped in. I was going to just be like, hey, good morning, and, and Andre was muted. I was like. I tried to raise my hand. I was like, no, I'm not coming up. I'm not getting up on stage. I'm like, hey, he's, See, he's at least I was asleep. muted because if I wasn't muted and it was just me just snoring. snoring. Oh, my God. I, I think that would have been so much better. You should have just been unmuted to just be like a snoring channel the entire. It could be, you could be like somebody's sleep machine, you know, like. Uh... I'll do that next time. I love it. So is like club, Clubhouse like gen z version of like a multi-way telephone conference yeah it's basically like, yeah. a, group, <laughs> like a group phone call right um it's almost like i i equated i'm i'm on there and i'm on there pretty heavily um i, I equated to like going to a conference and you go to a conference you have like the main hall you walk down the main hall and in various rooms down the main hall there's like a bunch of people in that room that are yeah. talking and you can kind of like Stick your head in. There's people on stage. There's people who are listening, and you can go in and just sit in the audience and listen, or you can kind of raise your hand and ask a question and go up on stage, um, and that's kind of it. But yeah, no, I've 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 been on it, Jess. Um, I love it. I definitely see huge value in it from a connection standpoint. Um, we've been doing a lot of teaching on it, like so we've been hosting a lot of rooms and doing that, and then also just I've been involved just like for interest things and stuff too. In fact, I was in a room right before we recorded here because I got pinged into it because someone was talking about Sprout, and they pinged me to be like, hey, this I know the CEO is uh, is is on Clubhouse. Let's get him in there. So I was on it, and then when Mike called me, I was like, oh, guys, I gotta, I actually got to bounce out, so I kind of jumped out. But um, I think it's neat. I think the biggest question that I've been asking in the rooms is – what will the longevity of it look like once the pandemic is over? I think that's the biggest question. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not I'm not convinced one way or the other yet, to be honest, because I can make the argument that like it fills a void that maybe we won't have that gap anymore when the pandemic is over. But I also think that it's it's been an interesting way to engage and build relationships and connect. And so many of us are in there early days with it like it's it's very wild wild west right now it's like early days and we're figuring out the culture of it and i think that because of that um to lean out of it will then introduce like a cognitive uh, dissonance that we won't we won't want so i almost wonder how many people will stay engaged with it because we've believed in it since day one the way that we have so it's an interesting like i'm not sure how that'll that'll play out i kind of wonder like I, i made this comment on like uh like the podcasters messenger thread or whatever and uh i was saying that <laughs> i don't know if it'll get but if say it gets uh, insanely popular uh I, I sort of i made the i made the analogy and this may be a bad analogy but like when karaoke came out it actually hurt like live bands being playing in, in certain venues because certain venues went over to karaoke because it allowed the audience to be the star rather than the audience coming to see a band and the band being the, the only stars there or whatever and i kind of wonder like could this affect like podcast listening? Like the, uh, people that are podcast listeners, this gives them an it, opportunity it 100% to one hundred percent already has Mike. It already yeah. has. I know myself as a consumer of podcasts more often than not now when I'm like whatever tooting around and like doing projects in the garage, I'll throw on clubhouse more often now than I will throw right. on podcasts. Right. I but, and it gives yeah, you, I guess I've done gives, the same thing. Yeah. It gives you an example to be involved rather than just be a listener. It makes it you makes it active instead of and passive. And there's there's a real timeness to it. Even if I just don't want to be on stage and don't want to participate, I just mm-hmm. want to listen. The real timeness of it is engaging enough to make it like 
feel like you're in in the conversation. And Andre, you got plans with it with Cinema still too. I mean, I mean, corporately yeah. that could be a thing. Oh, for sure. I've I've done little like informal ones on my lunch break where I've just been you know developing some film and I've got ah baited him right into it. <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've done ones where like I've got my phone like in my in my hoodie pocket so that I'm I'm not like I can't see who's who's there I can't see if someone's raising uh, their hand so I'll start it you know have one of the people who come in that are following me uh, <clears throat> you know become a moderator so that I can have my my hands free and be developing film while having like a kind of sinistil ask me anything uh, and and doing that I've also just been in a bunch of rooms over the the past three weeks where I've had an opportunity to just legitimately, you know, make friends and make connections in the community in a way that I, I, you know, didn't necessarily have that way before because not everybody is into, you know, Facebook or not everybody listens to podcasts. There's a bunch of people. And I've been asking these questions to people like, how do you engage with the film photography community? And a bunch of people have said, well, I haven't really other than following people on Instagram until clubhouse. So whether you're like a film photography influencer or uh, a, a YouTuber, somebody that works in the industry, or just a person who shoots film, uh, everybody has like the ability to, you know, pop up on stage and talk. Like there's some rooms that depending on how like uh, how well it's being moderated or where the moderators are kind of leading the discussion, they'll have like everybody answer the same questions other times it's just a little bit of more of a <coughs> wild <coughs> free-for-all where everybody's talking but i i do see it as extremely uh powerful for the community because it scratches an itch community wise that i haven't really found in other mediums um i love podcasting but i've found myself listening to fewer podcasts uh with it now granted sometimes i'll hop in i'll listen to the conversation and be like nah we're talking really, really serious, like, you know, art conversation. I'm not in the mood for that. I'm going to go listen to, like, Classic Camera Revival make dick jokes about zoom lenses. <laughs> um, so, you know, I can kind of pick and choose what kind of content I, I want to listen to based on the timing, based on what kind of rooms they're in. And with, with Cinestill, <clears throat> in, in addition to just having kind of Q&A stuff that's, that's focused on the company's products, uh, we're actually going to be launching a product on uh, Clubhouse. Uh, we've got a product that's coming out soon and that we're sending out to a bunch of photographers around the world to test. And our idea is going to be to host a, a room there that's like a launch party where you know, myself and and uh, and one of our, well, our, our head of marketing is going to be introing it, bringing people onto the stage who tested the film during uh, those few weeks that they had access to it to kind of talk about their experiences and then open up the floor to, you know, questions. So I think it's really powerful and I'm really excited for it. And Mike's pointing at his watch being like, shut up, Andre. <laughs> well, I mean, I think double X and four by five is a great product to, you know, to, to launch in a clubhouse room. I oh, think it would just skipping the format over there, Mr. Caparicci. Huh. Oh, and 120. Yeah, 120. Yeah, okay. We'll go there. We'll go there. Before, well, by now five, that we've now sense. that we've told everybody how to stop just not listening to this the podcasting anymore, I think we should, should probably discourage we discourage that. So, uh, so let's uh, move on to the uh, the next topic. This is going to be a three hour episode if we keep. Uh, I mean, I love the rabbit holes, but I, I gotta I gotta keep everybody on track here. A little bit. That's why I had to give Andre the watch sign. So, uh, 
But uh, anyway, let's move on to... That's what will make you a great clubhouse moderator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Man, I wish. It's too crazy in there sometimes. Except as a moderator, you can actually mute people, and I've I've used that liberally before as a moderator and a speaker that... I wish more people did. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's move on to let's go into let's go to Angela. What's your what's your your hot topic for uh, for this episode? Okay, so it it's actually a nice topic now. Now hearing that um, everyone's um, questions earlier could kind of ties everything together. I think Um, I'm not entirely sure what Brian's. Yeah, we got a segue. Okay, nice. Yeah, but um, so for my hot topic tonight, so um, I think we always. Pride as members of the film photography that our community is a place that is very accepting and is very inclusive um, of other people and how they shoot their personal style etc but what I've noticed and this is not just you know within the social media sphere but also like with myself and my spouse because we both take pictures um, is that some individuals are not necessarily big fans of the younger cohort of photographers um, and also the work that they produce unless that um, their skills or their technical uh, technical aspect of their photography or work um, is actually recognized. So I wanted to ask that, um, do you notice that um, some other photographers, whether they're older or have more experience, tend to... I wouldn't say I would. I guess I don't want to use the word dismiss, but tend to not fully recognize, I guess, or um, other younger people's work, um, and usually dismiss them as, you know, it's just you know them being hipster or you know all their work is all style and no substance, quote unquote. There, um, I do think that younger. Um, people are attracted to film photography um, even though it's an older technology um, because it's something new to them because obviously a lot of the younger people know on Instagram for example and on Twitter um, the film cameras that they're using is probably are probably way older than them that their parents or their grandparents have used Um, I think whatever style or aesthetic that they're trying to aim for with their work um or with the media that they post you know i think that's just their thing um even though initially i don't exactly get it myself um but yeah so um that being said with these photographers i do think that they produce good work online and i think it's amazing given that they're using something that is probably not very familiar um to them um, and I think for me at the end of the day as long as these younger people um, kind of wet their feet into photography um, and eventually encourage them to shoot or try film um, and also be able to contribute to the retention of the industry I think that's just great so I wanted to know what you guys think uh, very good topic let me uh, start the uh, I'm gonna give us five minutes uh, I will say, uh, you know, I, uh, as, as one of the, um, uh, probably one of the, I, I won't say elder people on this podcast, but one of the more wise, uh, wise by years, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I think that 
I, I have not shown any ageism. Andre is very ageist at times, but uh, I, I don't do it because I mean, I actually, I, I, I actually let a very young Andre become a co-host of this show. You know, to keep the keep the young kids, uh, the cool kids, uh, interested in in, in this in, in in film photography. But I will say, I have complained a lot, and I've, I've even said it on the on some episodes a long time ago. I hate how. Uh, the the anti hipster tag on any like young kind of hip guy shooting photography. Oh, it's a hipster stuff, and I've I've hated I've heard it in music, I've heard it in photography. I get so tired of the anti hipster thing that happens a lot. A lot of times I've met from people my age or even older or whatever, uh, but even from a lot of people, even people of the same age as those people. Oh, that's hip. Oh, that guy's just trying to be a hipster. But hipsters did a uh, a whole lot of things that saved helped save this film community so like uh, i give all the credit to the hipsters and exactly. i give all credit to uh because if, if if the if the young cool kids didn't get into this thing uh this thing would be dead in the water and like it's not important that i keep shooting photography it's not even important that i keep doing this podcast what's important is that these young people get into it and keep it going for the generations uh after us that's the most important thing so if anybody is uh disparaging uh young photographers uh and uh, for any 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 particular reason you should just be happy they're in film photography because they're the ones that's going to keep this thing alive uh long long term so that's my thoughts and quit being anti-hipster man the hipsters helped us save this thing so you know there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree i i think that in any way discouraging anyone from shooting just because you're jealous of the work that they're putting out or you think that they had it easy for some reason, I think is just being negative. They definitely are carrying a big weight of this business and keeping it going. And even if prices go up, you know, it is what it is. At least that means stuff is going to keep being made and money's going to go somewhere to keep creating new stuff. And I think if you, you see it a lot on YouTube, at least, I don't know if it's still happens so much now, but you'd see a lot of, people comment about how these young guys just don't know what it's like and all this stuff or aren't using something the way that they've always used it for 50 years. But I, I feel about it the same way I live my life. You know, if it's making you happy and you're keeping it going, then who the hell cares? Like, just, just enjoy it. Everyone does it differently. So just do what you want. I think a lot of it comes, um, comes from like uh this this uh this fear or this like sense of of being threatened right or 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 even to an extent envy right like you see them and like someone that's been doing it for 20 years uh is then either getting outshot or out enjoyed or or just like lifted up in the film community who's been doing it for like six months and is and is arguably producing you know excellent work that is that is you know well uh, well applauded by the community, and then this this photographer has been doing it for so long as this like, well they have no idea, and they they get into this like grumpy state, and and I've seen I've seen it not in the film space, but as a professional photographer, I've seen it in that space too, where you've got professional photographers who are veterans in the industry that have the same attitude. We call them grumpies. There's literally mm-hmm. a name for them because mm-hmm. they have this just like this this argumentative attitude about them. Now, I think I think to an extent, maybe I'll I'll share the thought that like I think that there is a bit of humility that that newer photographers coming in should probably possess a little bit of. Like they, I think that coming in with with a bit of like, yeah, you know what? There are people that have come before me that have paved the path I'm going to walk, and and I respect that, and I and I do want to yeah. walk that, and I do want to to give some 
uh, you know, some grace to that and give some space and not come in with, you know, egos flying around. I think that's what the older, uh, more seasoned photographers get upset about. But I think, um, dude, whatever, man, if it makes you happy and you're, and you're, you're doing what you love and there's no point in creating a negative space because it doesn't do good for anybody. Absolutely. Andre? I just think that, you know, if 2,500, uh, urban outfitters, hipster kids are buying, you know, film it's a lot more contribution to the industry than one grumpy old roly joe so <laughs> and a mic drop on that one and you and you can't beat me yet <laughs> ah just barely missed you on that one but you know <laughs> i knew it was coming and i just wanted to, to let that little dig slide in there before the buzzer <laughs> i applaud you <laughs> well, you know, we gotta we gotta let him. Well, we gotta let him escape whenever once in a while, just just so he so so I have like a little pinpoint of light at the end of the tunnel, like a little tiny sliver of hope on these on these episodes. <laughs> so, gotta give him give him that. So, all right, so uh, Brian, let's move on to uh, to your topic. What, what do you got for us? Yeah, I'm gonna throw a change up. I'm gonna go a different direction than where I initially said I was gonna go, just just because right. I think it's relevant for the conversation. Um, I talked earlier in the episode about uh, you know my my interest in getting into repairing cameras and, and taking cameras apart and fixing them and giving them new life. And I've kind of found this, you know, this pride in taking these beautiful 60, 70 year old cameras um, that are otherwise destined for the dump and, and giving them new life and then putting them back into the hands of, of us working photographers and, you know, mm-hmm. photographers that are creating out of the joy and the passion for it. And, and, you know, doing what these cameras were made to do, which is document document life, right? And I just think that there's something so fascinating about that. Um, the art and the craft of uh, of repairs and of and, 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 and like the the science of it and the technical skill and all that, that is uh, a craft that is is slowly fading away. And that scares me um, in, in our industry. There's a I mean, we can keep developing film, like there's no there's no new film cameras. I mean, there's to, to an extent, but I think that, you know, we all rely, this industry is propped up on old antiquated equipment that is largely mechanical. So, so it's going to need repairs or largely electrical uh, or electronic that is going to become paperweights. Um, so I'm just curious, I thought a discussion that would be fun would be, you know, what are some ways that, that the film community can contribute or get involved or put into, into motion efforts and initiatives to, you know, guarantee longevity in this space because film can keep being made, but if there's no cameras to put the film in, what are we going to do? So I just thought that'd be an interesting conversation. That is, that is a good one. I, I it's funny. Uh, I almost hate uh, answering this because uh, uh, there was an episode and it was the famous drunken episode of this of this podcast where I said the same thing over and over for about 20 minutes and then I had to, <laughs> to promptly delete it. And literally I was ranting about uh, how we are lacking repair people. And 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 it was and I, the problem is I went down a rabbit hole of like how we're just lacking uh, like uh my generation and generations past me are not like working men that could fix everything like my dad's generation. Like we're losing our ability to, to make, to fix things. And you could imagine how long, uh, how bad a drunken rant about that went uh, and how that got repeated over and over. So, uh, so I, I'm going to probably just duck out of this one. So I don't do the same thing, the same mistake again, but, but I will say um, that, you know, I had heard like the, 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 the Pentax guy down in Tennessee, uh, Eric 
Hendrickson or something. Uh, he's like close to retirement. He's like the go-to like pin tax repair guy. And I'd heard that he was training uh, his, you know, who's going to be his successor or whatever. And, but then I haven't heard any more about that. And like, I'm concerned because I never heard more about that. And like, I hope that like these, the, the, the repair people we have, especially the people that are specialized in, in certain brands. Cause I feel like, uh, you know, that's, that's a good thing, but, uh, I hope they're training their you know, have apprentices, but like, do we know if anybody's interested in that? Is it really a, a, a is that going to be a really lucrative field for somebody to get into? And then secondly, uh, uh, like <laughs> what about like, like something like a K1000, like can't just any general repair, camera repair guy be able to fix. I mean, if you can't fix a K1000, you're probably not a camera repair guy whatsoever. So is there, is there general, are we still going to have general repair guys that can fix the most basic models? I don't know. It's, it's all questions that I have too. And it's scary because I mean, we do, we're like, we're relying on antiquated equipment at this point. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'll stop because I'm going to go into a 20 minute uh, thing where I just repeat, repeat myself forever. Cause I've already done that before. So <laughs> somebody else go. This is a topic that I've been talking a lot about in Clubhouse for like literally the past three weeks. Um, not disparaging people who. Oh wait a minute, uh, John, you just stop right no, now. No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, not disparaging people that are using electronic cameras or, or uh, you know, telling them not to to buy those. But I mean, a little bit of like kind of buyer beware, or or at the very least, explaining sort of my reasoning and my philosophy for the cameras <clears throat> that I'm starting to to move towards, you know, picking my my forever cameras in each format being all mechanical and having a really good relationship with a retailer um, and, and a, a, a repair technician who, 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 ha- who has these skills because uh, there's, there's, two th- there's two parts of that, right? There's parts availability um, and the technical know-how. Uh, the technical know-how, people like the folks over at uh, Camera Rescue in Finland are, I think, the ones who have the the most uh, well-developed model of how to pass on that knowledge to younger people. They have every summer, they have summer internships that regularly turn into full-time positions. Uh, <clears throat> they're doing a fantastic job there. I haven't necessarily seen something as like, really well developed and institutionalized here in the states or in other regions um, but I'm hoping that that model continues to, to to grow and I've I've talked to tons of young people on clubhouse who are interested in that kind of thing where I've told them like hey look up a technical uh, you know manual for X uh, camera or X brand on eBay you can find them reach out to the folks at camera rescue because even if you can't like afford to move to Finland for a summer to do an internship, they are uh, familiar with and, and have contacts with repair technicians, you know, all over the world. Because on the other side of that, the parts availability, you know, all of these repair technicians, they trade parts with one another. <clears throat> it's actually very similar to what happens in watchmaking. You've got a part that, you know, that you have access to that another repair tech technician might need you can sell it to them and i've heard of that stuff happening so i I think that on the on the side of the mechanical cameras there is hope and even if something uh has a part that's you know hard to find with the way that that machining is going moving forward you can re-machine these parts I, i spoke to a uh, a friend of mine who's a watchmaker out in Pennsylvania, and I I asked him, I was like, 
all these parts that are in like let's say something a little bit more complicated like a Leica or a Rolleiflex can you machine that and he said Andre think about it if we can machine parts that go into a tiny watch that sits on your wrist we can absolutely do big old gears and springs and levers that go in 35 uh, millimeter and 120 film cameras so <clears throat> I'm actually pretty hopeful for that whole entire side of things I'm not too worried Are you, are you worried though? <laughs> just as a side note, on that, so you can get the parts. Um, but what about the technical knowledge um, on that space? I'll, I'll share just like a super quick side side note on this. There's a course called Learn Camera Repair, and if you just Google it, there's I think it's a site LearnCameraRepair.org or something. There's a Facebook group for it, as and well. there's and there's We've a coordinating seen that Facebook one group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I've I've gone through is a, a good chunk of the course to understand just like theoretically the concepts. Um, you know that that drive these cameras that we use, um, and I'm in the group, and and that's what largely got me to a place where I can now disassemble and repair a Rolly 35. But I have noticed, and it's funny that we just talked just last about the last conversation here um, about you know these like bit of egos that like you know the the sort of veteran photographers have. Um, I have noticed that in the Learn Camera Repair page. You know, I go in there and I. And, and I'll ask questions about, hey, you know, I'm having this certain issue with this, like, one part of this camera. Like, you know, here's what I've tried. Here's what I'm thinking. This is what the repair manual says. Like, I'm looking for some feedback or input. And there there tends to be a lot of, like, well, you shouldn't be, like, dicking around with that. You send it to a professional. It's like I'm trying – I'm not trying to take your job, but I'm trying to learn because you're an 80-year-old grumpy person that is not going to be around and – five years to move mm. this industry forward. So there is, there's that resistance about moving that knowledge forward. That worries me. Well, yeah. now that you're yeah, talking about that too. Sorry, go ahead, Jess. No, no, you go. Now that you're talking about that, I was just thinking if we're just going to talk about longevity of the film photography community, like repairing is one thing, but creating new cameras is another whole beast that, to be quite honest, there's a lot of people that are not, too welcoming of that one like they're gonna complain about the price they're gonna complain about the materials made they're gonna make complain about the style and things like that that is a money grab so i don't think they're qu we're quite there yet it's something that i'm hoping that will change in the future but it's probably gonna take a long time mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i agree i don't know if it was that group or another one where a woman uh, posted and said that her son was really interested in camera repair and how to get him I saw that too, Jess. connected. Yeah, and people just kind of ripped her to shreds yeah. about it. And yeah. it's like, really? what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. if he's interested, he wants to intern, he wants to learn. Yeah, right. And, they and they're like, him. no, he has like, to spend time and and pay his due. Like, what are you doing? I yeah, yeah that, there's definitely that that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically gatekeeping. That's the, yeah, it's gatekeeping at the worst. Forward, yeah. then that's not driving it forward. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Wow. She's gonna be really morbid, but those uh, those folks won't be around here for very long. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but they have to pass that knowledge on. Yeah. Right? They have to, have to, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. That's is, the thing, though. I, I from what I've that. you know spoken to with repair technicians uh, and and you know some of the people in that area, there's. There's a fair few of those people, and, and seemingly the majority from, from the folks that I've spoken to, that are trying to pass on that information. And it, it's kind of that really 
you know, toxic, uh, pesky vocal minority that te- that seem to have that mindset. Because the people who really, really love it for what it is and don't want it to go away aren't the people who are acting in those ways. It's the people the, who the challenge though. The challenge in that is that anyone observing those conversations, anyone being anyone participating in those conversations, like I think myself included, if I wasn't a stubborn, hard-headed Italian and I went in there and tried to like mm-hmm. ask those questions, I would have felt very intimidated and would have been like, you know what, screw this, I'm gonna stop trying. And anyone that's just lurking and not actually confident enough to try it out, they would be like, Ooh, I'm gonna think twice. About have trying you, to ask and get involved. Wait, wait, wait. Caparici's in a Caparici's an Italian name. I thought that was I thought that was pure Canadian. There's there's some yeah. hockey players named Caparici, right? <laughs> Irish. <laughs> Brian, have you you know not not saying that if you didn't like you know it was wrong of you, but like have you called some of those people out in that Facebook group or? I did. I I went into one one whole thread and the one that they were calling me out on. I literally said the same thing we've been saying here, where it's like you guys understand that like. If if you don't help out those that are trying, and it's not like I'm looking for a free pass here. I took the course. I'm putting in the time. I've fucked up a bunch of cameras. Like I'm trying to trying to learn this stuff here. I'm not looking for a free pass. I'm just looking for some guidance on some questions that I have. Whereas you look at guys like Gary Clennon, who's in the NPP group. Um, Gary's been like amazing. I mean, first of all, I send everyone to Gary. He's he's in Canada. He is amazing at repairing cameras. He does it full time, and he's making a great go at it. And he's a super super friendly guy. But he has been that, and I think that's where the value will be: is you're going to find a mentor or someone that you want to learn from. And and I've said to Gary dozens of times, like Gary, if I have a question, like I'll, I'll call you, I'll ask you. I'm paying you for your time. I want to. If I ask you a question, I'm going to pay you for it because that's your knowledge that you've put in time to learn. I'm not looking for a free pass here. So I think those kinds of relationships will be more fruitful than like the groups or the communities that are kind of gatekept. Gatekept. Sounds like sounds like I need to have uh, get Gary on the on the short list to be on the show. I didn't I didn't realize he was. Oh, one hundred percent. You need to. Oh yeah. yeah. He's he's a wealth of knowledge. He's he's so excellent at what he does. I've sent awesome. I've sent more cameras and people his way than I can count. I'm writing that down, writing that down. Yep. All right. Uh, so uh, we have uh, went almost an hour in this segment. So I guess we should we should uh, probably stop. Andre, do you have anything else you want to say on this? Long live Trump. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, so, folks, we're going to take us a little break, and we're going to come back and figure out how to how to how to end the show we might have a, another hot topic or two we'll, we'll, we'll talk amongst ourselves i know it's getting late for some of us not not me i'm a late i'm a night owl but we'll figure out where we're at but we're gonna take a little break and uh, we'll be right back folks Folks, we are back for the final segment, and uh, we got one more hot topic in this roundtable discussion. And uh, this one's going to come from uh, Mr. Brian Caparici. Uh, Brian, what, what's what? What, what are you at? How are we gonna like? You know, you're kind of like uh, you're like the headliner. Uh, you're you're uh, taking the stage, you know, and like uh, everybody, the one everybody's waiting for. Yeah, like and uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little less yeah. exciting than the headliner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I think the, the topic that I thought would be interesting, which was my initial topic. Um, 
is the idea that like you know we as as film photographers i think a big a big thing that we love about what we do not only is the aesthetic of of film like the end product but i think largely it's the process right we enjoy picking the film and and loading it up into the camera and the mechanicalness of the camera oftentimes right the winding and the shooting and the exposing and the metering and and all those things then when we were done you know we bring it back and we we unload it and we put it into this tank and we go into the dark bag and we get a little sweaty and then we develop the shots and hang it to dry we scan it we darkroom print like it's the 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 process of shooting on film arguably is is as important or as enjoyable for us um, as you know the fact that we shoot on film and then there's the discussion of it and the narrative that goes along with it so the, so the question that i had or the the discussion that i thought would be neat would be um, what part of that process or what in what i guess season of that process do you enjoy the most what what engages you the most? What do you love the most? But also then conversely, um, if a part of that process was yanked away, you know, you couldn't develop anymore or you were given an automatic camera or you couldn't darkroom print, whatever the case is, would you still be as engaged in enjoying film photography the same way if you didn't have that part of the process? Awesome. Great topic. Uh, all right. Uh, I uh, I will say this. My, my favorite thing about film photography, and it's still... It's the, well, it's obviously the shooting and, and, and the look of film and the being able to choose different films for different uh, things. That, that's always going to be my favorite part. But just the simple thing, I like loading the film, but even more so, I love when I finish a roll of film and you're winding it back in, the, in your camera and you're winding But there's something about that. I finished a roll of film. And you guys know how hard that is for me to do these days. So like, uh, but I just, there's so, there's a certain satisfaction of that. And, and I, I know some people like, I thought, oh, I got so much film to develop. I love the developing of film. It's like a, um, uh, it's, it's just like a, I don't know, just some, uh, just meditation almost <laughs> for me. Like I just, I love developing film. I don't like scanning. You can take that process away. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate it as much as some people do, but that'd be one. I, it wouldn't bother me too much if it went away. I'd find some other way to get my my images digitized, I guess. But, uh, but I just think that. Uh, the, my favorite part is definitely the, the the just the finishing a roll of film and the actual shooting and not knowing what you've got and then of course like seeing the, the final result is like always like it's just so much fun it's like Christmas every time you uh, you scan a roll of film and see and see your shots but uh, man like yeah I don't know that's just my thoughts but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and cut and give 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 Ray some time here so go ahead I think that uh, my I really love all of it. I love the hands-on aspect of it. Peeling a peel-apart film is my absolute favorite thing in the world. I love the sound of it. I've been posting some ASMR videos of that because just the sound of peeling that apart is so good. Everything about it is so good. I do agree with Mike. I, I really don't like just the actual scanning of it, but I do love the inverting and editing of it. I, I love to see that image come to life, but I do hate scanning. It's just so slow, but I'm, I'm about to try and get a little bit faster and get a new workflow going. But I also have to say organizing, organizing and labeling the negatives. Uh, uh. Oh, my God. If I could pay somebody <laughs> to do that for me because it is a bitch. It is the worst thing ever. And I totally I, forgot but, yeah. about that. That's that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's just like oh. sleeving them and stuff. Oh my god. 
If I the, had a personal hell, it would be like reorganizing sleeves the, of photos the forever. Advantage, the advantage of that, even as sloppy as you are with how you organize your, your negatives and stuff, is having those negatives. Because you know, we've talked about it many times on the show. I, I lost a hard drive once and lost like six months of my photography because I wasn't shooting film at that time. Six months of our life's documentation is gone because the hard drive failed. And I mean, actually, I got a virus that destroyed all my photos. And so, yeah, like... But, you know, as much as we hate that organizing, those negatives, man, like the, uh, they're, they're permanent. You know, you always have them. Uh, you may not have them organized. You may not be able to find them, but you got them. <laughs> so. Exactly. I can't find them, but they're somewhere. <laughs> Jess, um, $14 is the minimum wage here in Ontario. You can pay me to scan and file <laughs> because that's one of the things that I enjoy Um as part of like this whole process um it may sound a little bit bougie for me but um i do enjoy the process of like if we're going to a place to travel like um these are the activities that we're gonna do what camera will work best so that it won't be too much of an inconvenience and enjoy you know traveling and at the same time you know like taking photos of like a trip which is something that I enjoy. And I'm also lucky that I get to share the same hobby as my spouse. So like the process of like, okay, what film are you going to get? Like, is this the lens you want to, you want to borrow my lens? Like this body will be good. Do you have enough batteries? Like just the whole process of like planning or what stuff to bring is actually good. Um, Scanning is not much of a big deal for me, but because we have a pack on, so it's all set up in my spouse's computer. So he actually, voluntold or <laughs> himself to scan it for me so I haven't really scanned my films in a while um but I do enjoy like the whole organ organizing filing backing up and all that stuff so I, it kind of sound kind of weird like weird and nerdy of me but <laughs> that those are fun stuff so I think for me if there was a part that I in in, in well, the weirdest you way sure you don't want you sure don't want to let Andre go first on this I think you might I was actually trying to sneak in before but I think, yeah Andre what about you Andre I think you better let Andre go right oh, now go ahead I don't want to interrupt you No no I think uh, Brian needs time to think about Actually, I need to go to the washroom yeah. uh, really quickly yeah. <laughs> uh, all right well you guys are forcing me in, forcing me into it um I've not done a tremendous amount of darkroom printing but I really do love that as much as I enjoy developing and like you know pulling the the film out of the the, the reels, it is still just a, a a work in progress. It's a it's one step into <laughs> <laughs> show that buzzer where the sun oh. don't. <laughs> but uh, but 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 yeah, one when, when I'm actually able to kind of get it into like the final presentation mode, whether that's making a darkroom print. Or in the case of slide film, I love, 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 love mounting slides and then putting them on my big light table and curating something uh, together, uh, you know, separating things. Like if it's like a I shoot a lot of slide film uh, when I'm going on trips or if I'm visiting family. And so separating things out by day, depending on like, you know, trips. The what, what, what are those? I, I forget what <laughs> trips are. Can you? <laughs> Is that where that's where you go somewhere? About. You go somewhere like you go into a car or a plane. And you mm-hmm. all right? I forgot what uh, those were. But yeah, so darkroom printing uh, for for black and white, and mounting and curating uh, slideshows for for you know slide film are are definitely my my two favorite things. If 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 one thing if that were to 
you know, go away or, or my ability to do those were to go away if I, you know, didn't have the space uh, to, to print or anything like that, it would bum me out a little bit because, you know, having the images is, is, is great, but I've been enjoying trying to emphasize the, the final product as much as possible, whether that's printing or whether that's a slideshow. And, you know, at the end of the day, once you, once you've got digital images, like, yeah, I send, you know, pictures to, uh, to my girlfriend or I send them to my family. I, I post things in the Facebook group and it, and well, I mean, not on Instagram, <laughs> that's fun, but I really, really enjoy making the, the, the final, uh, product more than anything else. So I would, I would be pretty bummed if I couldn't do that. If it was just shooting to scan, I'd enjoy the images, but it wouldn't mean as much because I, I don't, I don't enjoy looking at images on a computer nearly as much as sitting down for a slideshow or handling, you know, prints in my hands. So, so uh, rapid fire. I'm just curious, everyone, if there was one part of the entire process that if you were to rip it out of the process and then you would no longer be interested in shooting film because that was no longer part of the process. Which part would that be that would Ooh. that would if it were ripped out, you'd be like, no, I, I'm I don't want to shoot film anymore. What part would that be? Mm, wow, that is yeah, tough. I, like, because I, I was gonna, I was first thinking like, you know, shooting, but like, what does that even mean? If you couldn't shoot film, then you couldn't do all don't the think, rest. Don't think too deep about it. Like the process of like shooting film, like what makes shooting film unique from maybe shooting digital or, or, you know, shooting with your phone. I I think, I think if there was a, if it got down to very few film choices, you know, I think that would, I mean, I don't know if it would, I'd probably just still shoot those, those, those film choices, but, but if it got down to a very, like, there's only like one or two black and whites and maybe one color or maybe no color film that would make me, maybe not shoot it as much. I don't know if I could completely give it up, but like, I like, the, I like the choices. I like being able to choose a, a, a film for a, a particular thing or just try weird things with films. And like, I think limited selection of film would, would make me reconsider possibly. Yeah. Mm. For me, maybe if I don't, if I don't have access to either C41 or instant film. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I shoot Definitely more color. Film. I shoot more color. I don't develop it at home, but I sh- actually... I think a bulk of my stuff is like 75, 80% C41. So I think if, uh, I mean, granted color requires silver too, but if for whatever reason, and this isn't realistic because, you know, if all the color film companies go belly up, like there will still be people like hand coating black and white emulsions onto fucking glass or, or, you know, parchment paper or something. Um, But if, if black and so this is a this is a hypothetical unrealistic example, but like if black and white film were to go away, I I would not be as enthused about it because I, I don't like color film as much as I like black and white film and you know if, if I couldn't print in the dark room uh, or or make like black and white reversal is something that I want to get into, I would not be nearly as interested in it because my ability to perceive small differences in color, especially in color correcting. Mm. If I didn't have black and white film and I could only do color negative and slide, I, I would not be as as happy. Brian, what, I mean, these are a, a great great topics. We'll put put you on the spot. How would you answer the answer your own questions here? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think for me, um, the limitation on the front end would be enough for me to pull out and want to go and 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 not be shooting film anymore. Like the front end being uh, choosing a film, choosing a camera. For me, I love that. I love 
you know, we go out with the kids or I'm going out for a portrait or whatever the case is, I'm going out to photograph a sunrise. Just like the thought, the intentionality that goes into like, okay, what am I shooting? What's it going to be like? What film should I bring? What camera makes most sense? How do I want to tell these stories? That that decision-making process, if that was gone, if it was like, hey, here's an instant camera that you press a button, it takes a picture, and you can't control the film in it, I don't think I would do it for like the developing, scanning, and printing side of it. I think for me, I like, otherwise I would shoot digital. I like the front end of it where I have choice and I can yeah. play with different mechanical pieces of equipment and, and choose what film goes in them and how I expose it and things like that. I think that'd be, that's the most exciting part for me. What and about- inter- interestingly, actually, and I was thinking about this as I came up with the question, and, and I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how far, how long we want to go on this, but like, I think that I would be okay with never being able to share my images in a really weird way because because for me, all the excitement comes up to that point where I get to see them. And then when I see them, that's the re- for me, that's like the reward of like, oh, cool. Like, I'm yeah. in a fucking picture. That's I get that. Freaking yeah. Cool. You know, and especially in the that. darkroom printing. <laughs> In the darkroom printing, you know, you print a, you print a picture, and like I love, like we've got pictures everywhere in our house, darkroom prints everywhere in our house, and like we get to enjoy them. I don't, for me, I don't need the social media validation of like the double. T- I mean, I share shit that like most wedding photographers would go to my Instagram and be like, "Wow, does this guy even shoot weddings?" I don't, because I don't care. I don't need it for that. I don't need it for the validation. So I think I could do without that part, without sharing it. I will say this, uh, for those of you that uh, want to share your photos that you don't think are good, I meant to mention this in my week, uh, Animal Mystery has a new Facebook group called Rule of Turds. Have you seen, have you seen this? No. No. It's basically a place for you to post your horrible photos, and if they're good, he will delete them. So, like... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Uh, I see. <laughs> see. I didn't think I needed to be part of another Facebook group because I have trouble keeping up with ours, but... This is making me reconsider. I, I, yeah, I, I joined it, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I, I, I need to. Uh, I need to. I've got plenty I can submit over the years, and uh, but yeah, the, the rule what of is turds. Rule of turds. Rule of turds. Uh, a Facebook group where you only post your bad photos, and he he has he's made it uh, very very known. If you're if it's even slightly good, it's getting deleted. It has to be. Like... <laughs> Wait, rule or roll? We all know rule. your accents throwing people <laughs> off these days. Like rule. rule of thirds, but it's rule of turds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's even it. funnier. That's amazing. Oh my god! All right, well, with that, uh, with that, with that, uh, uh, I don't know, with that, with that dump of information, I think I should, <laughs> we should probably <laughs> move so on. Rule of thirds groups. <laughs> so. Uh, I just want to thank uh, uh, everyone here, uh, Brian and Angela, particularly for joining us on this roundtable episode. Uh, hopefully, that we uh, put out some put out some hot burning fires. The questions of the film community uh, might be might be just burning them up. So uh, uh, it's been it's been enjoyable. Thank you so much, Brian and Angela, for joining us tonight. It's been it's been a blast. Thank you. Yeah, no, this has been awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, I guess it's time to get our our socials out and wrap this thing up. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Brian. Uh, Brian, where can people check you out in all the places you want people to to other than the Rule of Turds uh, 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 Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> Search Rule of Turds on Facebook. Uh, no, I mean I'm I'm pretty active in the um, in the Facebook group, so so love to to hang out over there. Um, on Instagram, I'm bcap photo b c a p p h o t o two p's in there. 
Um, and then Clubhouse. I've been on Clubhouse a lot, so I might as well just kind of plug that. Um, come on and find me. I think it's, I don't even know if you can, you can't even link people. So just search my name, Brian Capricci, and, and you'll find me. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Angela, where can people see you? Okay, so you can find me on my resurrected website because it crashed over the summer. Um, but you can find me at derpinsel.com. That's D-E-R-P-I-N-S-E-L.com. Um, social media, I'm kind of trying to lay low on it. <laughs> um, but I'm still posting here and there. So Instagram is this is Jella underscore S. I am also on Twitter at Derpinsel. And once in a while, I guess once a year, I'm on YouTube at Camera Jin. That's Camera J-I-N. Awesome. And Mr. Andre Dominguez, where can people see you? People can find my uh, still-neglected Instagram account at Andre on Film, uh, as well as on uh, Clubhouse. Uh, like Brian said, we, 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 you know, now it's you know me, Brian, Jess, Mike's on there every once in a while when we're late night uh, talking on the phone, and we're like, yeah, let's let's bring this over to Clubhouse. But uh, <laughs> you know, come check us out on Clubhouse. Uh, uh, I, I've got a few invites if people want to join the conversation they're they're not doing any doing me any good just sitting there so if you're interested in what we've talked about it uh interests you feel free to reach out awesome and jess you can find me on instagram at yes yones uh i'm in the facebook group as well jessica jones or jj and then also on clubhouse i don't think you'll have any luck searching my name but you could probably find me as a friend of the other guys in clubhouse Awesome. And you can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have an Instagram account also for this podcast under the account name Negative Positives, mostly ran by Mrs. Roxana Angles. And uh, if you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives so Roxana can find it and Highlight it for all of us to check out. We have a coffee page. It is www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives if you'd like to support this, help support this show. And uh, let's see, what else here? Oh, we have a merch negative positives podcast.bigcartel.com where you can get yourself some overpriced t-shirts, overpriced hats, and an overpriced <laughs> coffee mug that we make three cents on uh, at least on each of those items. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Folks, thanks for listening. I hope uh, this has been enjoyable. And uh, a huge thanks to Mr. Brian Capricci and Angela Solis for joining us tonight. Uh, everyone have a great week. Everybody stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> we did it. That actually worked. I thought that was going to be a huge train wreck. but uh, <laughs> Nice job. I almost Yay. lost it at the end there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a second there, I was like, oh, shit, am I still on mute? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening.
A Gutter Man Cave Production!